You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. You've now tuned in to the Drawing Board Podcast, a powerful, thought-provoking discussion where we talk about family, relationships, ministry, community, and career. Let's see what exciting guests we have on our show today. Welcome to the Drawing Board Podcast. This is your host, Andre Ebron. I am so excited to be here tonight. There are so many things happening across the world in our nation, particularly in Metro Detroit. There are so many things that we can talk about. Uh, But here's what we do in the Drawing Board Podcast. We talk about family, relationships, ministry, community, and career. We are here for the social uplift of all people. We are here to encourage and motivate and inspire, bring people to a point where they can make concrete decisions about their future. And as I always say, to go in the direction of their destiny. I want to take a moment and thank uh, our sponsors, Ebron and Associates, a consulting firm for human service professionals and educators. No, that's the old vision, excuse me, where we consult, develop, and support personal organizational transformation. If you know anything about business, you know that you go through many iteration of your vision, of your mission, of your values, of your ethos. And so what I was sharing is, here's what we have to do, is that when we consult, develop, and support, we partner with you for your future. We partner with you for your need. And we also want to give a shout out to one of our sponsors, The Viger Group. Please check them out at thevigergroup.com. Now, tonight is extra special. I've been trying to get this young lady on the show for the last year and a half. And tonight we are blessed to have her presence with us. Drawing Board Nation, please help me welcome Miss LaTanya L. Garth. Welcome, Tanya. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for having me. Now, listen, you have so much going on. I want to introduce to some and present you to others. Uh, Motivated to encourage the lives of people who desire change. From now on, from this from this interview, I'll be calling Miss Garth. Listen, Miss, I want change. How about you? Listen, that is how she's going to start it, all right? And I love that because it provokes you to thought. It is a call to action. But let me tell you about Latanya's objective. Her objective is to help people save their own lives. Wow. Some people are waiting for somebody to save them, but you're there and help them save their own lives. Now, let me ask you, before I go into the rest of your bio, like what provoked that when you say to help people save their own lives? Break that down for me. Yeah. So when I talk about helping people save their own lives, we have a generation of lost people. And sometimes they just need someone to listen to so that we can redirect them and transform them back to thinking positive and knowing that they are fearfully and wonderfully made and that they are somebody. So right in that space where you feel like you're being lost, um, I kind of want to jump in like superwoman and kind of help you save yourself. And so um, there's been times in my life where um, I've lost focus and there were people that God has put back into my life to bless me and to get me back on the right track. And so I just pay it forward, you know, and so uh, because I've been saved through a lot of stuff, um, I want to be able to do the same for other people. Oh, that's excellent. That's excellent. And according to your bio, plus I'm aware of your body of work, uh, you do this through the core beliefs and core focus of mentorship, commitment, leadership, integrity, and education. 
It says that Latanya received her bachelor's degree in communication and a master's degree in higher education from Michigan State University. I'm definitely not a Spartan, but I'll go ahead and shout it out because I know that you feel it. Go green. Go white. <laughs> all right, there you go. Yep, she is a true advocate of all facets of education as a certified life coach, business consultant, certified public speaker and facilitator, and business owner managing multiple entities in education, PR, and mentoring to fulfill her entrepreneurial endeavors. So now let me ask you a question. With everything that we have, uh, especially because uh, you have a focus in education, which the educational system has been impacted by COVID-19, you have a focus in PR, which now we have uh, with all of these social inequities, the right messaging getting out there from governing bodies, which we do know not happening. The messaging that's going out right now is extremely inappropriate. If they're mm -hmm. looting, we're shooting. Like mm -hmm. th these messages that are going out are further uh, traumatizing the nation as a whole. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you a question. Uh, as a mentor, as a leader, uh, what actions are you taking uh, to fill the voids, particularly in education, uh, what what actions are you currently taking to fill the void for the young people that follow you? You know, I, I really just need to be the example. You know, we talk about change in the community and I've seen the, the protests and I'm really promoting a peaceful protest. Um, I understand that, you know, people are upset and they want to fight and they want to burn stuff up and they want they want to do all of these different things to get their point across. But I believe in getting a point across with intellect. You know, I really do believe that education is critical. Um, if you think about like back during the civil rights uh, movement, we were denied our rights to read and write. We were denied our rights to vote. We were denied our rights as women to even wear um, pants. You know, so there are so many different things that um, we've come so far from, you know, and I get that, you know, it's still um, it's still going on. Um, but it has gotten better over time. And I believe that the, the reason why things have gotten better over time is because there were people that were uh, activists for our community that were educated and they were civil and they went in and they handled things in a, in a manner of saying, you know what, you might look at me like I'm ignorant because I'm some ignorant Negro or whatever you think I am, but don't get it twisted because I have education. And so I believe that the fight needs to be um more intellectually done, you know, as opposed to going out, um, doing physically, physical things. And so, um, you know, I'm big on conflict resolution, you know, when it comes to our youth. So of course I'm teaching them like, this is why it's important for us to be educated. This is why it's important for you to go to school and pay attention. This is why it's important for you to pay attention to economics class and in government. So you can understand what's going on in the system. Now I'm, I'm all down for fighting, but I'm going to fight with a pen and a paper on pen, you know, with a pen in my hand and on paper uh, or use my voice that I have to do it in a way that it's not going to uh, cause me to have to physically fight. The Bible says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So while we going out trying to riot and fight with our fists and hurt people, that doesn't solve the problem. This is spiritual warfare. And so, um, yeah, I'm down for taking a knee. I'm also down for getting on my knees and praying to God because I know God is the one that's going to bring us through this. And so um, really just teaching our, educating our youth, like, look, that ain't the way to go. 
you know, and, and really just teaching them to be cognizant about the fi- fact that, yes, we do have this racial thing going on right now. I get it. But we also have this invisible enemy out here, too. You know, so we got to be real cognizant of the fact that COVID is still running around trying to attack as many people as possible. You know, so we're fighting against not just uh, racial inequities, but we're fighting against a, a, a virus that that's unknown. That's uncertain. A lot of this, all this stuff is uncertain, you know, and so um, just teaching them to do it, but do it peacefully, you know, do it with with your mindset. Yeah, I, I, I firmly agree with you. Uh, when we think about the protest of the civil rights movement, the protest, it was a portion, it was a segment, a greater plan. It was strategic. It was enduring. It was not just uh, something, a result of anger. It was a part of a greater plan. And I was having a discussion with uh, one of my buddies. And one thing that I pointed out to them, we were kind of debating back and forth. I said, if you remember, there was no social media then. Uh, There wasn't a way of really getting the word out other than by word of mouth, right? Mm -hmm. Or by telephone. There was no way to draw national attention to the issues. And so that's why galvanizing large groups of people that could not be denied called forth the attention of the nation. It was one of those things to say, you're going to stop. You're going to pay attention. A media coverage was given. But now we have the power of technology to do some things, right? And so protesting is a portion of just galvanizing the attention. So now the question becomes, once you get the attention, then what's next, right? Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. that is where the strategy comes. And one of the things I've been watching you uh, is that when you see a void, especially as it relates to young people, uh, with your mentoring program, the Imagine Mentoring Program, it's youth and adult learners about the importance of education, increasing their self-esteem, living life to the fullest. When I think about your uh, commencement speech that you did yesterday, shout out to you for that. Let's <laughs> give you know, thank God for that. And wherever you see a void, um, you create an opportunity. Where does that mindset come from? Um. You know, I I really believe that, you know, people take issues that they go through and they use it as a crutch for them not to succeed. And so I I try to be the example to teach them, like, you know, we have to get to a point where the issues that you went through was designed to teach you a lesson. I firmly believe that everything that we go through we go through because it's designed for us to go through. It happens because it's supposed to happen. It's, it was already written. God knows every mistake that we're going to make before we make it. And so um, it's not a really a mistake. It's really an opportunity for you to learn. And how do you take what you've gone through or something that makes you fearful? You become educated. And that's why I always tell people, I would not let my ignorance, arrogance, or fear get in the way of the life I know I can have. And so Um, The worst thing a person can do when they're ignorant is remain ignorant. And so the reason why we make mistakes is because we're ignorant of that certain situation and we need to be educated about it. And so um, I like to get educated about things that and learn from things that I may have made mistakes from because I'm not perfect. You know, nobody's perfect. Um, And then try to find a way to uh, use that as a stepping stool to move forward. You know, it's like I. I don't like to see people sit back and say, yeah, something happened to me 20 years ago. And then they're still talking about it. And then the misery builds up and then they become bitter. And it's like you that probably was your ministry, you know, for you to get that lesson from it and to be able to teach somebody else not to go down that path. 
That's good. Yeah. I, I love the way that you framed it. Uh, you said mistakes are not really mistakes. They're just opportunities to learn. Yeah. And that is a whole um, paradigm shift for as it relates to parenting, as it relates to educators uh, that have scholars before them, as it relates to just social interaction and relationships is that when people don't uh, when people fail to meet your expectation or they make a mistake or they're ignorant of your need or they're ignorant of the current situation, ignorant, meaning they just lack the knowledge. Right. right. So That's Bible right. clearly says that my people are destroyed for a what? Lack of knowledge. And so when you see destruction, when you see famine, when you see pestilence, all of those things that the Bible talks about, it means that there is a lack of revelation in that area, knowledge or inspiration to move that people forward. So talk to me about the Imagine Mentoring Program, like where, you know, mentoring, making it to mentor and deposit truth into the lives of others uh, to come alongside of them. And you say you will not let your ignorance, arrogance, or fear stop you from living the life that you know you can have. That's powerful. Like, how do motivation come from for you? So talk to motivators, right? I'm around them. I'm, I'm surrounded by them. And where does your motivation come from? My motivation comes from adversity. And hmm, so, break that down. you know, there's a saying that adversity introduces a man to himself. And so through through my trials and tribulations and things that I've gone through, because I've been through a lot that I have never talked about as much. Um, uh, I believe that that's the reason why Imagine was birthed. Um, when it comes to Imagine and the power in that program, I know it's God. I know it has nothing to do with me. Uh, the proclamation that I wrote, um, it came to me in one day. The program and what it stands for um, and, and the entire concept of that program came to me in one day. It was just like, you know, the scripture says, write the vision and make it plain. I mean, I wrote the vision. It, it just it wouldn't stop. It would just it just kept spilling. And I would wake up out my sleep. God would wake me up. You need to do this, do this, do these events. And so all these different events. And then um, I would pray for those who were hurting because there were times where I was hurting. Yeah. You know? um, and, you know. I want to be in a space where I'm not hurting anybody. I want to be able to be a vessel to help people heal, you know, or be a resource to help people heal. Um, and I think that's that's really what it is. And a lot of the reasons why our community is hurting and why our youth are hurting is because they have hurt mothers. They have hurt fathers, you know, and hurt people hurt people. But we have to we have to change the trajectory of their mindset by teaching them that. You can't you can't go that way. There's another route to your happiness. There's a way that you can um, capitalize, not financially, but just mentally on your trauma, you know, and just and live a happy life, you know. And so that's really the goal is to um, to help people understand that, you know, if you've been chasing your tail for 10 years or five years and going in the same circle over and over again, it's because there's something wrong and you have to, you have to change, you have to change directions. And so that might be where you might have to do a paradigm shift in your mind in order to understand why you went through what you went through. And then how do you take what you went through and move forward to the next level? I want to throw this question out there to you. Uh, it's a question um, that has been contemplated by philosophers of course, there's biblical foundation for this, but in mentoring, uh, because so a lot of times people run these three things together and they're not the same. So when you think about counseling, when you think about mentoring and you think about coaching, 
those are three very separate functions, right? Yeah. yeah. So my question for, for you is, how do you help a man holding no gender, uh, holding no age, holding no socioeconomic status, just the pure, so let me say a human, how do you help a human change their mind? Yep. And it, it's all about taking time out and really just teaching them that they have to take time out to be able to do the work. You know, it's like I can sit in your face all day long. It's no different than, you know, a child and, and their mom and they're telling them the right thing to do, but they're still not doing the right thing. But they can go to me and I tell them the same thing mom told them and they listen. Right. right. Um, and so it, it's no different. I always tell people that I coach adults and I mentor youth. You know, um, counseling, that's a totally different uh, ball game from mentoring and coaching. Uh, coaching, when you're dealing with counseling and therapists, um, that's because there are some um, some more deep-rooted issues that uh, more specialized people can work with. But when you're just talking about just making a mind shift and dealing with the psyche, I can help you with that, you know, because um, there's been times where, you know, I think when people have the life experience, and they, they, they can relate and say, I've been in that dark space before, you know, in whatever capacity it is. If I've been in, in a space that wasn't so well and I was able to get out of it, let me help you get out of yours, you know. And so people want that. They, they want to know how the heck did she go from that to that? You know, like, wow. Like, and so it's like, well, if you want it, then you got to you're going to learn these principles. You're going to have to understand um, identifying what your problem is or what it is that make you feel the way that you feel. Why do you feel that way in your mind? And so I just let people talk. You know, I, I try to help them get to the root of why they feel the way that they feel. I talk about like what their motivators are just to get them motivated. And so um, I always throw the motivator back at them and say, you know, that the reason why um, you need to get to point C is because of point B. Because you just said that this matters to you. So let's focus on what matters. And we need to get you, get your mind focused on what matters. And so when we start thinking about what matters as opposed to what didn't matter, you know, people take issues that they go through and they magnify it. And so I always, always try to coach them and say, you know, if you magnify purpose and not the issue that you, that's causing you to be stagnant, then you'll be in a much better space. That's good. Magnify the purpose, not the issue. Yeah. That's good. So now segueing that. So that is how you influence a person's mind to begin to change. How do you get people to confront how they feel? Because have you, have you ever been in a position where you, you have the information, you know exactly what decision that you should make, but emotionally, you, you're just not there. Yeah. Like Even though you have all of the information, uh, the deck is stacked for you to make a qualitative decision. But emotionally, I'm just not there. How do you help someone go from changing their mind to now changing how they feel, regulating their emotions? I just sit there and listen to them. Sometimes they just need to, it depends on what, what kind of mood they're in. If they feeling like, oh, then I'm going to go in like, hmm, how can I help? You know, I'm going to give you the same thing you give me, right? And I always keep that same energy, right? My energy come off your energy. So if you if you come in here like excited about changing, let's make something happen. Let's let's go with these strategies. But if you sit up here talking about, I don't want to. Okay, well let's take it slower. Then let's go at a slower pace. Why don't you want to? What's wrong? 
And my biggest question is why? So when people, when it's, when it's time to dig and get to the root of what you're dealing with, I'm going to keep asking you why. And to the point where you're like, dang, why you keep asking me why? And every time when I get done, I got a whole list of whys. And I'm almost at the root. So keep going because I'm going to keep asking you why. Why? Why? You know, and so just really making people see um, that side of it, because really at the end of the day, it's like, um, there are so many great blessings in life that comes from our lessons and people block their blessings because they never got the lesson. And it's like, I want you to get to the root of what you're dealing with. So you could see that, you know, if I get over this hump, there's a, a whole plethora of blessings waiting on me, you know, and I got to get there, but it starts right here. Absolutely. It starts in the mind. It starts in the mind. And so now that sounds like you're encouraging people to keep going. Yeah. Uh, and you are the author of the book, Keep Going. The dream is enough. Yes. That's listen, that is a mouthful. Uh, because I think about um Paul Moore's song about um he's reflecting on what his younger self uh you know, would his younger self be disappointed in where he is now? I can't think of the uh, title of the song, but when you say the dream is enough, like children like see themselves uh, either as superheroes or they see themselves as having a superpower or having an extra ability to accomplish and achieve until someone convinces them otherwise. So keep going. The dream is enough. Tell me, why was why is this book important? And what was missing from the conversation of the uh, inspirational, motivational, revelatory books that are out there? Why is this book necessary? This book is necessary for a lot of reasons. Um, I had a tough time when I lost my mother. She passed away some time ago. Uh, we were very, very, very close. It's a lot of people don't know this, but if you look at the book cover, it, she, she's right here. She's like a little spirit looking down on me. And so I love that um, part of it. But um, I had, when I lost her, I had an event for Imagine. It was one of my galas, annual galas I do. And I didn't want to do it because my mother, this would be the first event I would have with my mother not being present. And I just, it was just really, really hard. And so that night before the event, I went to sleep and had a dream. And um, so I want you to picture this. There is a, a bunch of a whole bunch of people in the cafeteria setting. And you know how like we were kids, you could take a nap at school and you had the little cots or whatever. Um, right. There were cots with dead people laying on these cots. And I'm like, what the heck? So I see my mom and I run over there. I said, mom, mom, mom. She used to call me every single day and say, I love you every single day. But the last time she called, I didn't answer the phone because I was mad at her because we got into it about a vacuum cleaner and I shouldn't answer the phone. So that was one of my regrets of not picking the phone up. But in the dream, I was like, oh, I can say I love you. I can say I love you. She gonna wake up. So I ran over there. I said, Ma, I love you. I love you. And she rose up about 10 seconds later and she looked at me. She said, you know that scripture in the Bible to say train up a child in the way that he should go? I said, yeah. She said, you keep going. You keep going. And she laid back down to death. And my mother has not come back to me since. Um, but I've been moving ever since, you know. And so that dream got me out of a dark place. I was in a really, really dark place. Um, but the dream that she gave me, it just, it, it ignited something in me. Um, and, you know, when people, you know, sometimes when people's parents pass away, they look for a financial inheritance. Like, I didn't need any of that. Like, the dream was enough. Like, the dream she gave me can carry me for the rest of my life. I mean, 
the stuff that I had went through uh, after she passed away, being becoming a, a motherless mom, a single mother, then a, a motherless mother. I mean, it's, it's, it was difficult, but I have to keep going. Like I have to train up my daughter in the way that she could go and I got to keep it moving. And so um, the book is awesome because the dream, it helped me to write the book. But then in the book, I realized you working with all of these youth, you empowering a lot of people. I need to let them know not only was my dream enough, but your dream is enough too. Like yes. you have dreams too. And so that dream that my mom gave me was enough for me and my daughter confirmed it. She said, mom, the dream your mom gave you was enough for you. <laughs> That's it. You know? And so my daughter's six and she talks to me like she's 55, you know? And so, <laughs> I read the comments of the yeah. conversations that you all have on a regular. Oh, yeah. 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 She's uh she's uh, definitely old. So I love her though. It's like my mom all over again. In fact, the day that my daughter was born, uh, my, the due date that my border, daughter was born was the day my mother died. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's definitely a spiritual thing there. Um, but yeah, the, the, you know, so with the book, you know, it's, it's done very well. Um, and to be able to impact youth and letting them know that you have dreams and it's enough, regardless of what anybody say about your dream, the dream that you have, that you think about the most, that you want to act on the most, that's what you want. That's enough of you. That's your purpose. Go for it. You know? And so, um, it has been able to not only help me, but it has been used as a catalyst to inspire as many people that come in contact with me. All right. I don't know what happened there, but. I'm back. All right. Okay. So, yeah. So I think it's because the point was so powerful. It got interrupted. That's what we go with, right? And, but what I was saying is that um, there's an audience out there who needs to process and need inspiration and motivation and encouragement and support because they are journeying uh, through the pathway of motherhood without the guidance of them. And I think that that's powerful. That's something for you to unpack because clearly you're doing an awesome job. Because when I look at when I look at listen the conversations, and I look at the fact that your daughter's an entrepreneur now, and she has her own uh, business that she's running, when she's free to think and free to question and free to interrogate and, and survey her own mind and have her own opinion and own thoughts, that lets me know. That that young person, someone that has affirmed that your thoughts have value. Yes, yes, absolutely. And so I, I just wanted to stop there and say I don't know uh, what you would what you would do uh, with that, or even when you would do it. You know what I mean? Because the Lord will lead and He will guide. But I do know when you said I started not just as a single parent. But in that moment, I also became a motherless mother. Like that, that is a, that, listen, I don't know if you've written anything about that, but that's powerful. You need to write something about that. And yeah. so let's, yeah, that's, I mean, that when, when you said that, I was like, whoa. And it brings me to, I'm on a panel uh, in a couple of weeks talking about motherless uh, homes. And I think about how many became fatherless fathers. Navigating, you know, through the, I won't call them mistakes. I'll just call them opportunities to learn, like you said. And the question that that the men have to ask themselves is, am I enough without the stuff? Ooh, that's good. And and that's, you know, and that's why I want to go back to the things that's going on right now in our community, like the things that's going on with the racial profile. Like we can't afford any more uh, fatherless fathers. 
Like we can't afford that. So th- there has to be policy. There has to be intellect. There has to be things that we do to train up our youth so that they understand like the right way to go about this is to really show them like we know we are strong or we are strong race, right? We know we have the potential. Look at all of the things that um, our African-Americans had um, invented. So we have the power to learn. We have the power and things that were stripped away from us. That's what we need to be fighting for to get back, get back educated, get the books, read the books, learn how to make change in the community through using your mind, through using your intellect, not this. See, people use like this because they feel like if I don't have the intellect because I lack the thing because I'm ignorant in that area, this is my defense mechanism. And that's why we got fatherless fathers. You know what I mean? And so it's like there has to be a a shift somewhere where we bring them back to understanding like, look, our African-Americans don't have to be educated in normal schools no more. We don't have to go to school inside of a garage. We can go to a university now, any university, and and be able to become educated enough to make change in the community. And so when we have change and when we have intellect and when we're doing things the right way, um, and we're showing people like, look, not only can you be educated, I can be educated too. Not only can you make change, I can make change too. And so we got to draw them back to education. We have to. Yeah, I I firmly agree with you. And I think that we have relegated education to what's provided by the vocational. I think that education, it it transcends uh, the boundaries of a classroom. It is life lessons on a daily basis. It is the wisdom of our elders. It is, uh, that's when you saw people drawing a distinction between those who are street smart and those who are book smart. Mm -hmm. And really what you need is a combination of the two. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that that I got with, uh, you know, am I enough without the stuff? That's Mm -hmm. uh, a brother named Quentin who has a a podcast called Manology. And so we were talking literally about like shifting the mindsets, uh, examining not just what we think, but why we think what we think. So I'm going to play the, I'm going to play the, uh, it's called the five whys, right? So I'm going to play the five whys with you, right? Okay. All right, here we go. Here we go. This is something new. I'm trying it. Okay. <laughs> All right. So why is intellect the strongest weapon uh, against our current uh, social inequities and social injustice? Why is intellect the strongest weapon? Because when when God created Adam and he breathed into Adam, he gave Adam his mind. And God, you know, you get what I mean? Like the mindset was created by our God. You know, like he wants us to think at a whole nother level. Like we don't, you know, T.J. Jake said so well, like we don't have to have entertain people that's turtles when we eagles, you know, or we you the giraffe. Like we have, like when we tap into the mind of God, the mind that he gave us and how we were created, we were created in his image. So that means we have everything that he has. He's given it to us. He's given us the power. He's given it to us. You know, and so our intellect comes from being able to understand the things that he's given us and being able to use what he's given us to move forward, to operate in our purpose, to to be able to um, fight these different things that's going on. We got to use intellect like there's no other way. Like there's no other way. And like when you when you have your intellect, then your intellect is going to teach you to get into your word. 
And then your word is going to teach you how strong you are and, and how you fight these battles through prayer. The intellect is critical. Like, there's no other way to learn it. There's no other way to learn how to be great. There's no other way to learn how to make your community great again. Or You can't do it with this. That's why they, that's why they had us in shackles years ago. Because it is. At the end of the day, it's all fear. Like, black people, they're afraid to go into white neighborhoods because they don't want to get pulled over by the police. White folks scared because they scared if a Negro get out and, and get loose. I don't know if I can deal with these. So if I ain't got the intellect, then I'm going to use this because I know that this is what you said of. But really, at the end of the day, I'm scared. I'm scared. And so it's like we got to be able to kill that fear. But the only way that to kill fear is through facts. The only way to get facts is through education. That's why intellect is critical. That's good. You said the only way to kill fear is through facts. And yeah. the only way to obtain facts is through education. Yeah. Okay. Now, question. Yeah. Is, mm-hmm. is there a difference between natural fear and the spirit of fear? Yep. Yep, it is. Um, you know, like, you know, fear, when we look at it from a natural standpoint, it's false expectations appearing real, right? So we, we could be afraid of a thing, um, and it, it actually could be something that's very harm, harmless. We're afraid of it because we're not educated about it. You get what I mean? So that's why when I talk about how facts kill fear. Now, when you're looking at it from a spiritual standpoint, in Proverbs, it talks about how um, uh, the beginning of, of fear is wisdom or the beginning of wisdom is fear or something. Don't quote me, but it talks about having the fear of God, you know, and so like we have to learn God. We have to learn him. And when we learn God, he teaches us to be obedient. Like he teaches us that, um, you know, that he sent our, our comforter for us, you know. And so all of these things just come from like, that's why I'm like, people are outraged and stuff. But it's like, if we just, if we just, if we just understand that God's going to take care of that thing, you know, like, however he take care of that man, but what he did to Floyd, George Floyd, it's going to get handled. Like, God ain't going to just let something like that just happen. Like, people don't get away with doing things that's wrong and, and not get not get uh, uh, beat up by God. Like, that's the worst butt whooping you should ever, you would ever want. So being obedient is what would get you away from, you know, not being so, uh, not putting yourself in positions to do things that's that's not right. You know, so when you, when you align with God and you doing things his way, you're not going to, you're going to fear the Lord. So you're not going to be out here trying to kill people. Right. You know? Yeah. One of the things that, and, and like I, I was on an interview yesterday, I told him, I said, I'm going to take it a little hood for a second. Mm-hmm. I said, the only thing that I was ever taught to fear was to fear the Lord. I said, if somebody breathes like you and if they bleed like you, yeah. uh, there's no reason to not fear man. Now, of course there are circumstances, there are situations, um, and I was being taught uh, this lesson by my older family members that went through Jim Crow, uh, that went through the different racial oppression, that understood at a time they had to be better than uh, their best to replace their worst. And so when they were teaching me this, they were teaching me this from the construct of saying that God created you uh, in his likeness, in his image. You have let, don't let anyone strip personal power to be 
based upon their fear of your greatness. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things I have to ask you, and, and I think there's a difference, but I want to ask you about it. Uh, do you think there's a difference between justice and vengeance? Um, oh, that's a good one. I had never thought about, uh, never thought about that. I know that the word says vengeance is mine. Uh, and that's, that's from God, you know, and injustice is served. And so I think that God is the vengeance that when he say vengeance is mine, that's what he's saying. Like, you ain't got to fight this thing. You don't fight this. This is a spiritual thing. I don't need your physical fists to fight anything. I need you to understand that I got this. The word says, cast your cares on me for I care for you. Like God's telling you, cast your cares on me. Give it to me. Not, like I'm saying, a peaceful protest, great. But all the other stuff, give that stuff to God. Let him do it. Like you can't fight that battle. I'm just, I just look at um, a lot of people that's um, sending out messages and, and they're, they're irate. And I'm just looking at them like, oh, your blood pressure is sky high. Like you was upset for what? When you could just... You can put all that energy into your prayer and let God fight that thing because you, I mean, you can get out there and fight uh, uh, John Doe, but it's still going on 20 miles up the street. <laughs> it's still going on in another state. It's still, you know what I mean? And so the way that we're going to have to attack this thing again is through intellect. You know, like that's the only way. And so like this, this whole thing of, you know, all everything that's going on, God, the Lord says vengeance is mine. Like God got this. We're going to get the glory in the end. God's going to get the glory in the end from all of this. Yeah, yeah. I, I firmly believe that. And when I think about like the, the, the programs that you have, when I think about the mission and the goals and the vision that you have set out where you're causing people to dream again where you're causing them to imagine a better life than the one that they currently have. Like yeah. literally we have the ability to go into our future, to take hold of our dreams and goals, bring it to our present and yeah. then start walking out the steps of faith to make it happen. And I yes. think there are people and even where, um, even where we are with this uh, racial injustice, injustice, social inequities, I think what people want is justice. I think they want immediate results. I think they want change now, right? And if you were to ask people, because they, they we have a right to be upset. We have a right yeah. to be mad. But the Bible says be angry, but what? Anxious. Not, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we can be angry, but don't take action that will violate his word, right? Yeah. And yeah. that's what for, for us who believe. Here's, here's the challenge is, how do we articulate to those who, who have this mindset, to those who are uncertain or ignorant, that the change that we want to see systemically, I'm not just talking about racial peace, I'm talking about overall, is a process. How important is process in the work that you do? Yep, and, and that's what I always teach people. Like, you can come in my session, but don't think that you're going to have a change mindset when you leave out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, because it's a process. It takes time. Now, there could be some things that I could say that's going to trigger you, that's going to make you think about, oh, I need to start thinking in that direction. Yeah, I'll give you that when you come. But um, overall, if you want this to be a paradigm shift that's going to help you and shape your life so that you can reimagine and you can live a better life, then there is a process and there's, it's going to take work. It's no different than um, I see a therapist and I don't see anything wrong with it because I feel like when, I, when I'm working with people, when I'm working with youth, I'm working with adults and they dump so much on me. I got to dump this somewhere else, you know, because I can't hold all of that in. And so 
um, I feel like even when I'm working with her, she said, this is a process. It's going to be a process. Now we're going to move in steps. We're going to move in steps. And you got to think everything that God created, he created in steps. He created a strategy from the to, from day one, from when he created the heavens and the earth, day two, day three, day four. There was a strategy. Everything that he does is strategic. Just like when he, um, he gave Adam the garden of Eden, he said, your job is to dress it and keep it. Then once he saw that Adam was doing that, he said, now it's not good for man to be alone. I'll see you and help me, right? It was a strategy. And so that's the same thing that happens when it comes to our everyday life. It's the same thing that happens when, uh, with, with everything that's going on right now. Everything is a process. Everything. And if we move like God moves, we always going to be all right. We always going to be okay when we move like he instructed us to move. When we, you start doing things on your own and, and understanding that, oh, I, I want instant gratification or I'm going to do things the way I want to do it right now, then you're going to find yourself hitting the wall. You're going to find right. yourself hitting the wall and you're going to be in that dark space again. And so that's why the process is so critical and, and really like um, paying attention to getting to the root of really what you're dealing with so that you really can have change and it can be consistent. Good, good. So now I'm going to ask you, I'm going to place a demand upon gift on your life. And uh, because, you know, the drawing board, it's all about it's powerful that challenges people to examine their life and watch this. Reimagine the possibilities. Mm -hmm. I always ask uh, people this question, particularly when it comes to relationships. Have you exhausted all of the opportunities that exist? I'm sorry. Have you exhausted all of the possibilities? that exists within your current opportunity. Because that is what you challenge people to think. Because most times when people are ready to throw their hands up, be done, wash their hands, walk away, the question is, have you exhausted all of the possibilities that exist within your opportunities? And most times people, almost 99% of the time people say, no, I haven't. And so here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. that person who is on the verge or on the ledge of getting ready to jump into their next phase of life. So, you know, I relaunched 2020 at the beginning of this week, right? Mm -hmm. So they're getting ready to uh, imagine greater possibilities. They are ready to keep going because their dream is enough. They're ready. You just wrote another book too. I'm on a roll. Hold on. We're going to get this, get the second title. Uh, We're going to imagine our life, your life when Oh, sorry. Imagine your life when you demand greatness during a crisis. They're doing that right now. I need you to speak to them, articulate to them, encourage them, motivate, shake them up. Be that point of provocation. Go ahead. Can you imagine your life when you demand greatness? I mean, can you just imagine how beautiful your life could be if you could just think about the possibilities and knowing that you can do all things? You can do all things. That's right. You don't have to give up on yourself. You don't have to give up on your dreams. You don't have to give up on your thoughts. You don't have to give up on your purpose. All you need to do is imagine your life when you demand greatness, not just even during a crisis, but every single day, wake up, empower yourself, tell yourself that you're fearfully and wonderfully made, tell yourself that you're somebody, speak life into yourself, make yourself great. This life that you have is only, it's just a minute. It's only 60 seconds in it. And so you have to take the life that you have and live in freedom every day. Life is an acronym. L, live, I, N, F, freedom, and E. Every day, live in freedom every last single day. But it starts in the mind. 
I desire change. Do you? I told you she, I desire change. Do you? Let's go. I don't know about you, but I'm fired up. Listen, I'm living in freedom every single day. Listen, if if Jesus Christ has freedom from the curse of the law of sin and death, if our ancestors, I told people, I said, my rights, my liberties, my freedom, they are blood with the blood of my ancestors. How dare I insult them by living in fear of anything that may happen? Yeah. That is another, yeah. Listen, and that, and that's a, and I understand, trust me, I understand what's happening to our brothers out there. I understand what's happening into the lives of our community. But if I live in timidity, if I don't live boldly, then guess what? You won't get the best of me anyway. Yeah. I know how to be respectful, but I also know how to, to, to affirm who I am. Yeah. I am not waiting for any other race, ethnicity person to affirm that I am great. Listen, for the person that's listening, you don't have to just get a bachelor's degree, master's degree, doctor's degree to prove to another race that you are excellent. I was listening to a young lady today. She said, your existence is resistance. Mm-hmm. All you have to do is be. And so there's a person out there who, uh, miss, you know, I want change. How about you? Who may be saying, you know, Ibron, I out there in protest, but I'm concerned about COVID-19. Uh, they might be saying, I've written letters, and I wonder if that's going to be effective. People around the world, right, or not the world, but around the nation today, they were voting in their primary. Different elections happening. Here's what you have to know. The greatest thing you can ever serve this world is your potential and purpose fulfilled. Yeah. That's it. And when I see your mentoring program, when I hear you speaking, you're, you're on that trajectory of helping other people to manifest their God-given destiny. And that right there is amazing. Thank you. Yeah, when your life gives other people the permission to be, right, that it, it breaks the shackles. It shifts the paradigm. It pulls people out of those emotive places that are triggered by negative experiences. You know what, uh, Ms. Garth? We, none of us make it through life unscathed. Yep. Life happens to us all. Yep. It is our response that makes the difference. Yeah. Yeah. So listen, there is, tell us where we can get the book. Tell us where we can get in touch with you. Tell us where you're happening next. Where are you going? What planes are you taking? <laughs> Wherever the good Lord take me, I'm ready. Okay. okay. All right. Um, so what I have coming up is I'm doing a virtual book signing, a, a virtual book launch on June 13th. I'm going to do it via Zoom um, from 1 p.m. until 2 p.m. It's going to be like an hour virtual book party. Um, and so I'm going to send that information out, but it's going to be a virtual book launch. On June 22nd, on behalf of Imagine, I'm partnering with Versity Blood Bank of Michigan. I'm doing a blood drive to support uh, COVID-19 
um, the the patients that are in the hospital that might be in need, in need of plasma. I want to we're partnering with the hospitals to support um, and give blood. One pint of blood saves three lives, and so I certainly want to um, get on board to getting um, people to support that. And in addition to that, on that same day at the same time, I'm going to do a curbside book signing, so you can come to uh, the event. It's going to be at Avioni community center on the west side on eight mile inside of uh, new st mark's church um and so um they have a big big center so i'm going to go in there and, and and do do everything that day so that's going to happen on a monday june 22nd from 2 p.m until 6 p.m so if you can come out we'd love to have you uh come and support that initiative oh and just to call the action the book is available at um www.imaginegreatnessnow.com. So if you go onto the website, um, you can order your book right now and you will get a signed copy from myself and my partner, Mr. DeAndre Carter, who uh, co-authored the book with me. We'd be happy to send those signed copies over to you. I believe that um, we've been disconnected again. Um, so we'll hold off. But the site, www.imaginegreatness.com, imaginegreatnessnow.com. Look at me messing up. So imaginegreatnessnow.com to grab your book.